0: Are you still there? Did you ever leave? Next on Eternal Dirtles. Hey, I just keep up with the down to give a quick shout out to all down of our Patreon supporters out there. Thank you to the Dirtle Maniacs. If you want to be a Dirtle Maniac, go to patreon.com slash eternaldirtles and help support the channel. It keeps things going. It keeps things updated. Thanks so much for watching. On with the show. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Phil Blackman.
1: Phil, how's it going, man? Zach, I, nobody cares how I'm doing, man. We got Mike Flores <laughs> with us on the cast today. Mike, welcome to the pod. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, this is great. So we,
0: uh, you know, full full disclosure, uh, Michael and I just spent the last half hour talking about uh, Magic in like 1997, uh, which you'll get to see at our Chica- uh, uh, Con Chicago uh, panel that I'm doing. Uh, so if you're in Chicago, you'll want to check that out but uh we're here today uh with michael to talk about pre modern uh so yeah you have a you have a, a podcast called spike colony with lanny wong and uh and, and you basically like you are the guy for for pre modern lately this is this is where people go to talk about pre- modern i uh,
2: i appreciate it um i think that uh i probably don't deserve that i'm neither the best <laughs> Pre-modern player, nor the best pre-modern deck designer, but I have to say, I just had a little bit of a, a reputation outside of pre-modern. And so when I started playing, people like, "Oh, wow, this is like a, a big deal, or whatever." I just like it. Like I, just, I, I honestly, I just like it. Uh, I'm so grateful it exists. Uh, and if I am the guy, then fantastic. But it's not
0: deserved. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're you're the guy in that you're the guy talking about it. The, you're you're you know you're where people go to to, to you know vent vent about uh that that format i feel like uh you know and 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 it's it's one of those things where uh you know it's it's not just that like hey you're just a person who talks about the format but you have experience uh through uh through playing through those eras as well and i think that's something that resonates with the people that that uh play pre-modern
2: so um this is pretty funny. Uh, I have a I have a friend. The uh, thing that people maybe probably know about me is throughout my career as a magic content creator, writer, pro tour player, whatever you want to call it, coach. I guess I've been a coach for a long time. Uh, I just always have had a, a string of young men who have been my apprentice at one time or another. You know, Grand Prix champion Steve Saden, Josh Rabbits for a long time, Roman Fusco, my partner at the uh, at Ancestral Recall. Uh, I've just been a a string of of, uh, of young men. Following me around and uh, you know like learning it at the foot of the sensei, or I'm I'm now grandfather uh, because uh because of this, but a, a kid by the name of Patrick O'Halloran Gannon, um, he uh, he decided he wanted to be my apprentice. So what he did one day was he saw that I had posted about premodern, and I had never played a game of premodern. So what happened was was cleaning through my old magic cards and um i found some decks i found like my my napster deck that uh you know still together my hatred deck from the summer of 1999 i, I took pictures and i just posted them on social media and brian kowal my old teammate and righteous babe said oh you should frame this deck in reference to the napster deck and i'm like frame it well what if i ever need richard on board for this one <laughs> So I only own I only own one copy of Rishon on Port. I actually own multiple sets of Rishon on Port, including a beautiful set of Japanese ones. Uh, you might know the story. Uh, John Finkel has them. He has them still since the summer of 2000. Uh, I was in his hotel room at Nationals 2000. And I said, oh, John, can you give me my Japanese Rishon on ports back? You've had them for a year. I oh, was sorry, 2001, right? Um, and he's like, I don't have your Rishon on ports." I'm like, you definitely have them. You won the U.S. Nationals with them. Then you won the World Championships with them. Uh, I would like to have them back if that's okay, right? And and he's just like, I don't have them. Look in my binder. So I look through his binder. On the first page, there's a set of Japanese on ports. And I'm like, here they are. And he's like, can I borrow them for my Fires deck tomorrow? <laughs> so he still has the effing on ports. So anyway, I only own one set as a result of these on ports being in John Finkel's Nationals winning, Worlds winning, and the Nationals top eighting uh, decks in consecutive years. So I said to Brian Cole, I said, I can't frame this Napster deck, although it's a good idea. I might need the Rishon. He said, when will you ever need Rishon on ports unless you're gonna play pre-modern? And I said, what is pre-modern? And that was the first domino. So Patrick O'Halloran Gannon um uh decided he wanted to be my apprentice so it this he will he will talk your ear off about this right he long conned Michael J. So he's just like I'm going to put together pre modern decks. <laughs> and uh, so I said, oh, this looks pretty cool. But what ended up happening was I didn't take it seriously or anything. I was just like, oh, whatever. It's like a weird nostalgia format. It's not an official format or anything. But a bunch of my friends are going to this thing called LobsterCon, right? So Kowal said, I'm going to go to LobsterCon. And I found out Olarate was going to go to LobsterCon.
1: <gasps> Olarate,
2: right? so I'm like, oh this is cool like i'm not doing anything i'm gonna go i'm gonna go to boston i'm just gonna play in this thing who cares right like i'm gonna use it as an excuse to see bk we're coming out of the pandemic i hadn't seen anyone in two years and i hadn't seen bk so i'm like i'm just gonna, gonna go do this and brian manilakos had me on uh, the second i'm like oh yeah i guess i'll play your weird unofficial format or whatever right now just, come on atc right so um uh, so we're, we're just gonna do this so Patrick granted saw that I was tweeting about pre-modern, so he puts together a bunch of pre-modern decks. He says, oh, I heard you're going to this thing called LobsterCon. Don't you think you should practice? So I'm like, I don't know, I guess. (laughs) So he puts together these decks, and so we played, and the first game I played, uh, this is a famous story in our friend circle, Um, I was playing Aaron Dix's Bobble Burn deck, and I put down a first turn Mog Fanatic, and pog it just like scoffs at he's like is that card even good right and i said this card's gonna do six to you you should probably you should probably sort of pleasures he's like this card isn't good it ended up doing seven uh and so two things happened a he gained a respect for mog fanatic and b i fell in love with i fell in love with premodern in that game right so i had spent so much time Play testing Red Decks Wins Decks based on Seoshi Fujita's uh, Columbus 2004 build. And there was just a feel for this because for now I had Fire and Ball Lightning and I was just in love. And, we were, and I, I fell in love with the Red Deck that day. Uh, and so we just played so much pre-modern and Paul got what he wanted. He got me, got me to be his, his, his magic mentor. Um, and so I wasn't even really in the community at all right so when i went to Lobstracon, i like i knew two people total who played pre-modern one of them was david Tao, and one of them uh, who's a, a local friend of mine he's like kind of like our sub godfather of, of pre-modern meetups uh and i knew bk and so bk had said to me he's just like uh we were discussing what decks are good or whatever and he's like you know they they on power level eroded the replenish cards, the parallax cards. So I pretended like I knew what that meant cuz I didn't want to look stupid. So, <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah replenish <laughs> is probably good because they unpower level Errata the the parallax cards." So the night so I'm fully intending to play another deck, but the night before I go to Boston, I literally just start separately texting uh David Tao and BK and I made my replenish deck once I figured out I first figured out that this was a one-sided Armageddon. I didn't even know any <laughs> of the other stuff, right? Like, I didn't know there was a lot of infinite combos that were available to a replenish deck. I didn't know what any of them were. I only knew that there was a one-sided Armageddon available. And then BK says to me, "He's like, you know that just an opalescence and a parallax wave together makes you immune to creature damage and you have infinite vigilance. And I said, of course I knew that. Um, so. <laughs> so then... I made a run the next day. I made a run. Uh, I only lost games to Phil Espel, uh, Flint Espel. Sorry. I only lost games, to Flint Espel. And he only lost games to me. No one remembers that we were one and one in LobsterCon that year. I beat him in the Swiss, but he beat me in the top four before winning the entire thing. So, um, it was, uh, It was a great experience. I loved every minute of it. It was the best tournament I had been to in 20 years. Uh, And the thing that I will say about it is, when I walked into LobsterCon 2022, I knew like one person in the room, like two people maybe. Like I knew Mano, right? When I walked into LobsterCon 2023, I had a room full of my best friends. And it was unbelievable. Like it is unbelievable. Like I'm in I mean, like,
0: that is, that is what those nostalgia formats are for is like it, to bring people together, no, you know, a room
2: full of my best friend. That is, yeah. it is unbelievable how like, and I mean, lobster Ground 2023. I didn't top eight again. Lanny finished third. Etai Kurtzman, who was um, uh, the third. So we have a team called hot dog state university. It's a hilarious story between me, Patrick O'Halloran, and Gannon and Etai. Uh, so Itai Kurtzman, first pre-modern tournament, uh, he came in second, and then he came in third. So, you know, the New York crew uh, is doing a good job representing it at LobsterCon every year. But I didn't care that I didn't do well. It was just one of the best weekends I ever had in my entire life, even better than LobsterCon 2022. And LobsterCon 2022 was the best tournament I had been at in 24 years. Um, I mean, just better... Better than Pro Tours that I did well enough that I was qualified for the next Pro Tour. Better than Pro Tours where I won actual money. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Better than Grand Prix where I made a deep day two run. Better than any of those. It was just so great. And so um, you know, now my a big part of just my social life is just revolves around playing pre-modern. Uh and anyway, is that physical me?
0: hard uh photo deckless, I feel like, is a thing. I, there's so no art. I,
2: I love making <laughs> deck photos. That's like one of my favorite things. Um, So I, I'll, tell, I'll tell this. I, I never talked about this anywhere else before, so you get this exclusive content. There is this notion of net decking that persists everywhere, right? So we were talking earlier about, um, you know, people hiding their technology or whatever. But at some point, deck lists became public. If you go to a tournament that uses melee, for example, every deck list is public in melee, right? So there's no hiding decks anymore. Uh, when i was coming up um people made their own decks at a much higher frequency in the early to mid 2000s people played flores decks so there was a deck called flores blue and there was a deck called flores black and there was whatever uh and my decks were i don't know if they were so much better or worse than anybody else's decks but i made them and i was a you know a famous magic columnist or whatever and so there was some amount of branding there uh but people made their own decks as late as 2009, when I made NIA saber that no one had ever seen this deck before, right? Andre Coryborn won the world championship. It's no longer the case that people really make or play their own decks. right They make or play decks largely that are created by the hive mine. Um, this is there's a I'll caveat this and put an asterisk for pre modern because I that is something that's changing right now which is amazing to me but they largely play decks that are created by the hive Vine. and so if the thing that you mostly liked about Magic like I did for a long time was to make decks you don't play your own deck very often I mostly play Aaron Dix's decks right now as an example right but what you can do in the in the art of making the deck pack right is you can collect wacko versions. Of cards and put them together, or you can collect beautiful versions of cards, right? And that, like, this is so. I both have, I, I own, I own three full together red decks, right? One of them is gorgeous because Lanny gave me his FBB lightning bolts. He's just like, I'm not ever gonna play these, and you love them, so I'm just gonna give them to you, right? So he gave me, his, so I completed this beautiful red deck, right? And then I also have this wackadoo red deck, which is like Kev Walker Jackal pops and like, uh, you know. New border, new printing, red elemental blasts. This is the most ridiculous stuff. I get criticized because there's no new border curse scroll, but I got gold bordered curse scrolls from the Brian Hacker sideboard from the 1990s. Most, most of my stuff board. is gold
0: bordered.
1: Yeah,
2: but I'm really good friends with Brian Hacker, who moved <laughs> to New York. So I'm going to have Hacker sign Brian Re-sign Hacker them yeah. on top of the the gold print signature, right? Nice. Like the process the of shadowing. doing this collecting these cards and making a beautiful deck or making a meme deck or whatever allows players to customize their experience and i think that is the thing that is one of the things that i really love about magic right um you can do it you can do it anywhere right um like when i i I got back into serious player in 2014 right so i never really quit but i wasn't playing serious tournaments until my 10 years into having kids right um Then I immediately won a bunch of PTUs, right? So, um, I, I went and I stayed in Utah and I stayed with my friend Aaron Murnaka, who was my first win in the history of the Pro Tour. In 1996, I beat Aaron Murnaka at the 01 table. Aaron Murnaka was like a back-to-back Pro Tour top four player at the time. Still better than I am, right? So I was still capable, good at being a Pro Tour. But such a generous person. So I stayed with him in Utah and I showed him the deck that I qualified with. And he looked at things and he says to me, oh, somebody did really well at FNM. And I had never played in an f at the time uh, but i just collected weird printings of cards because i thought that people wouldn't be familiar with this picture so they'd be more apt to make a mistake on the table right that was my motivation between behind having this version of of dissolve versus a standard version of dissolve Like it costs 25 cents more i might get a free winner right so then i was just like oh you get these normally by winning FNM like that was yeah. it never occurred to me like I just bought <laughs> them off a website right so um, so you get you get a combo of that right like especially in pre-modern you can play cards that don't look like magic cards although now they're printing circular logics at sorcery speed like this has gotten <laughs> a little ridiculous maybe but you know I, three
0: we have my jumped friend, the
2: shark I feel like three of my friends <laughs> sent me that new price of progress the same like within an hour of each other and I'm like yeah. this is too ugly like this, <laughs> this is not even any art
0: on this. This is horrible, right? So, um, anyway. Eternal Dirtles is proud to be sponsored by Moxfield. Moxfield is the best Magic the Gathering deck building website on the internet. You can create, share, and find decks from Commander to Legacy and even fan-supported formats like pre modern and Old School. You can see all of our decks on our Moxfield. Follow the links below. To stay tuned. What Probably. you're saying resonates with both of us because uh, Phil Phil's thing is he he gets all of his call- cards altered to like be full art. So yeah.
2: yeah it, I... Oh, go ahead, Phil. I've talked plenty.
1: Uh, I, I was just gonna say yeah, like the the, the customization part has been something that I I've, I've adored for the entirety of the time that I've been playing Magic to the point where when I first got into uh, alters, it's because all of my, all of my friends had like the most tricked out, fully foiled legacy decks at the time and i was just like man like foil chase the mind sculptor is a lot of dollars like there's got to be another (laughs) way for me to be able to express myself here in a way like and feel part of this like you know chasing uh you know cloud chasing to a degree but then i got a chance to play with a friend's fully foiled deck and i was like man like the, the foils don't really do it for me. You know, I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not getting antsy with these cards in my hand, you know, there's gotta be something else. And so, uh, I always wanted to get tattoos, but I'm on blood dinners and also a coward. And so, uh, what ended up happening instead was I got my first altars and then opened my hand of, you know, I'm playing in the paint and, uh, that really resonated with me. And then I've been Uh, been doing it ever since. You tattooed all your magic cards. Exactly. I tattooed all my magic cards. And at the time, getting your cards altered, it didn't matter what the card was. It, like it could be a Jace, it could be a ponder. The altar is going to cost more or less the same thing, depending on the art altar that you use. Whereas the foil discrepancy was gigantic. And so I was like, wow, I can actually like get into the pimp game, so to speak, way cheaper than all of my friends that are going, you know, fully Japanese foil awesome stuff. And uh but now- nowadays it's like, no foils you can't you can't give away your foils. There's too many of them.
2: Aaron, uh, Aaron's like me. He owns multiple copies of his, you know, Bobble Red deck in pre-modern, but one of them is completely foiled out, including cards that were never printed in foil. So he actually had cards chemically changed to, to be foiled. So he has like fully foiled cards of multiple cards that were never in foil, which is, I think one of the coolest things that I've ever heard of. Uh, so.
0: Well, okay. So now we're we're, we're getting into the thick of of pre-modern here and why it's so great but let's talk about pre-modern right now, right? Uh, you know, our last pre-modern episode was with Phil Wynn, and uh, this was right after uh, land tax got banned. Um, what does what does pre-modern look like right now? Like, what's the metagame like? Who knows? Who knows, man? It's it's just the wild west every
2: time. Um, I. I approached pre-modern wrong when I first came in. I thought everybody understood how to min-max deck selection the way that I understood how. And I'm just like, oh, well, elves and elves and uh, red deck are just the best, like, on win rate and populations. People just like metagaming against those people play land still and stuff like that. I didn't realize people just played whatever the hell they wanted um okay there's just like no mathematical reason to play the rock i'll give you an example right so the people joke i started the joke where like the rock is a 45 percent win rate deck it's actually about a 44 and percent win rate deck not quite to 45 percent. uh you, no one should play the rock on win rate they play it because they love it uh i i've played it in <laughs> tournaments because i love it uh but it's not good uh it's not good insofar that it is a it is a sub sub 50 win rate deck so i thought no one should play the rock. But, but the thing is uh some people do play The Rock, and The Rock actually has good matchups against
0: good decks.
2: So that's weird. I'm like, people just do whatever the hell they want. Uh, they don't care. And um, I think it is more like that than it was six months ago or whenever, when Land Tax uh, was legal in pre-modern. You really just do whatever the hell you want. Uh, I think that we have had at least two important generations of deck design re- renaissance since Land Tax was, uh, was banned, which is shocking to me. You could say that for a fixed card format. There's more innovation and new decks being designed, played, and succeeding right now in pre-modern than in any format I've ever seen. Certainly which is in standard. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable to say. So one of the first things that happened was some decks got freed up, right? So I think the red deck just wasn't very good when uh, the two best decks in the format were Parfait, which is the Land Tax kind of prison deck, and uh, and Blue-White Dreadnought were the two best decks. Like, both of those decks are prohibitively good against the red deck. So one thing happened was that the red deck got a lot better than it was. Uh, so that was like a, a metagame shift. But then a, a weird thing that happened with Lantax getting banned was people just tried to build different kind of Parfait prison shells with different solutions to Land Tax. So you had players trying things like Mulch, or you had players trying things like Gush, In place of lantex go go figure island island versus uh first turn basic planes but people tried it right so mulch and 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 mulch and gush basically in uh in parfait shells was the thing people were doing then another thing people did a completely different direction was all right we're going to play the parfait shell we're going to we're going to use white control elements and oath of druids but instead of getting um you know recycling our deck with guy's blessing we're just going to get a big Terravore, right? So what ended up happening is this entire other wing of decks came out that was just Oathing out a Teravore. typically a green-white deck. We call it Oath Pelouche after, after my friend. His name isn't Pelouche, but <laughs> Francisco Polichek. But we call it Oath Pelouche anyway. Uh, and then competing with Oath Pelouche at the same time was a mono-green version. That has no such allegiance to like Parfait. It's like a lot of the same cards, but not all the same cards. The this deck is just like eight Thermocarsts and Winner's Grasps. And you're just like, well, is this good? And the question is, I don't know, but you certainly couldn't play eight Winner's Grasps and Thermocarsts when somebody was playing Lantax, right? So, so, certainly these <laughs> rise two of the more successful new archetypes. Most recently, um, Francisco has basically taken the mono green kind of thermocars wintersgrass deck just added a little red land for some pyroclasms and has a red green version that's being very successful so there's red green white green and mono green versions of like the oath no guys blessing interivore strategy there are at least two different versions of um kind of uh the descendants of of rich shea which are like kind of the parfait shell with uh either gush or mulch rich himself won uh, a monthly two months ago with a. Uh, a mulch based based version and then even more recently like in the last two or three weeks other prominent members of the community have come out with other completely new innovative and different decks and the thing is not that new decks are being made people have terrible ideas constantly it's that they're winning with them right so aaron Dix. uh I think Aaron Dix might have broken the format, and just like, he, oh, did he make it?
0: I, I'll just I, I just want to jump in here and, ta- and talk about one of the decks Aaron Dix beat me with in, in one of the monthlies, uh, which was a uh, I was playing Red Deck Wins, you know, just the, the classic Ball Lightning Slide deck, right? And he beat me by putting a Treacherous Link on one of my creatures, and then putting a Pariah on it, and then killing me with his with his painlands
2: uh aaron's current deck is not nearly so he has a monster so aaron won i can't remember the name of the the tournament that he won a big tournament he beat david daniel who's another who's the spring fling champion uh from last year he beat him in the finals uh david daniel's playing a a port of the uh kind of desolation angel deck from invasion Block constructed he made it all the way to the finals aaron is playing a black blue psychonaut deck so it's like a jammed together a uh, mono blue uh, Phyrexian dreadnought deck with black blue psychotog and i feel like he maybe he broke the format because it just fixes a lot of the problems other other dreadnought decks had You're just like oh well you might get raced by elves or you might get raced by goblins but well this is the this is the mono blue 1212 deck that has four engineered playing in the sideboard Good luck, buddy. And like, it has a second primary threat. So if somebody is just like meddling mages, your fraction dreadnought, you have psychotog, which is potentially even bigger. It's amazing. So he he won this big tournament. I can't remember the name of it. Beat David Daniel in the finals, and then went on to top eight the IRL Misty tournament like two days later, right in uh, uh, in Wisconsin. So um, so there's that. And then uh, Flint Espel, who was the LobsterCon 2022 champion uh with uh angry hermit uh is playing a new angry hermit deck with doomsday which is the filthiest deck anyone's ever seen like when people people look at this the rea- the average reaction is save some combos for the rest of us so it's a it's a th- three color four color uh, kind of vision charm Frexian Dreadnought deck and a hermit sutured ghoul deck and a doomsday combo deck and he manages to cram it all in in uh in 60 cards and he has two different transformation paths out of the sideboard it's bazonkers uh i, I of course i built a copy for myself but it's yeah. going to osif levadovich this week at our meetup so Osip will probably rack up uh his his first meetup win of the of the year on this one uh but it so i mean if you look at flint's deck from last year he played um he played a, a i'm gonna call mono blue fluctuator deck it was just among the Best built, best tuned decks I've ever seen. You're just like, oh, it's just a fluctuator deck. I'm like, no, the individual card decisions in this that facilitate the sideboard were amazing. Like, it is, it's unreal to me how good the deck design in pre modern is, comma, and this is a fixed card format, right? Like, the individual design decisions in Francisco's red green, um, Oath Ponza deck are so precise and like they are worthy of the zvimashowitz's and the patrick chapins of the past right like amazing deck design and they're just like the smallest little details that allow you to divide by zero right There's like this is infinite value this is infinite value and the average person doesn't even see how good they are necessarily right they're embedded in these decks and aaron and flint both came out with different takes on uh, kind of a vision charm, flexing dreadnought deck that are radically different than anything anyone has seen in years, and like attack the metagame from completely different angles. And I mean, just he just literally just took his deck from 2022 and added a third combo. Like it's it's crazy, and it's good. He six would the monthly. He lost in the top four though. He lost in the top four. Six owed the monthly. Beat replenish in the top eight, and then
0: it would have been better if he won the whole thing, but it's still a pretty good story. Yeah. And it's wild to think about, like, you know, I I think I've been playing pre-modern for, a, I'll, I'll say a conservative six years. Oh, you're, you're way more early, storied than I am, Zach. Well, the early, you know, early iterations of the format when like people were, people were like, Hey, you can play cadaverous bloom. And I was like, yes, I'm in. Um, but it's wild to think that in that time, we're still getting people innovating on this cl- on this like closed format. Like, there's no cards coming in. People are just coming up with new ideas, and that to
1: me is like it's just so it's it's magical, you know. I also want to give a little bit of foil for um, listeners to know, like as as big game as Michael J is talking about these incredible deck building decisions. There are also, as he mentioned, a lot of bad deck building decisions, and I want to just give a nod to the one time that Michael J and I have actually gotten to play pre modern. Uh, we sat down across from each other, and I won the die roll, and I said, I'll be on the draw. And Michael J. shook his head. He was like, what did you just say to me? And I said, I'll take the draw, please. And he was like, well, I guess I'm probably dead. I don't know what's happening anymore. And then I proceeded to try and cast Tithe and then didn't do anything else for the rest of the game. that. <laughs> Oh, um, yeah,
2: yeah. Uh I thought you were gonna be a reanimator deck when you decided to do yeah. second. I'm like, oh I'm probably dead. Uh but now you were you were just getting a small, small amount of card uh, was, advantage in planes form. I was trying
1: to get that extra planes, Michael J. Yeah, just, extra... just like
2: But you were just doing the thing that I was describing before, Phil, which is people take the parfait shell. All the other cards are still in it, right? Oath of Druids is still a very powerful card, right? The all the rest of the the machinery that made parfait what it was is still there. It's just they took out the most Honestly, they took out the second most broken card, but don't say anything. <laughs> like, Oath of Druids is probably the bigger bigger problem than than Lantax, but they took that one out, and you were just taking it from a different angle. Some people are trying to gush. Some people are trying to mulch. You're trying to tithe. Like, everybody's seeing this, and they're like, well, we need we need to fill this hole somewhere. Um, a card that was, like, banned in every format it was legal in is hard to, is
1: hard to easily uh, yeah.
2: replace I, now that it is properly banned in, in pre-modern.
1: Also, for the people who are getting turned on by this pod and are going to, you know, experiment and get into pre-modern a little bit, even though the card pool is fixed, know what cards are legal. Because when I had my original tithe, the original build of tithe, when I was gonna sleeve it up against you, I kid you not, I was like, God, gosh damn it, I have done it. I was like, nobody sees it. I'm gonna be the guy that saw it when nobody else did. And I kid you not, I had like 14 different deck lists, all of all of like new parfait. Uh, and I was I was calling it Cafe Olay. I was like, I'm going to be the fun guy. It's because I had Gift of Estates. I had four Gift of Estates in all of my builds. Gift of Estates is one in a white sorcery. If you have less lands than your opponent, you get to search your library for three planes. I was like, I broke it. And then I learned Gift of Estates is not legal in the format. <laughs> uh,
2: I I had this I had this thought where. Um, uh... One of the guys on uh, local New York scene, Eddie the intern, um he plays a uh a red blue a red blue combo deck that's based around uh frenetica free and uh chance encounter, right? Yes. And we were the Splitter twin of the format. Yeah, like how do how do we make this better in this context? And I'm like have flash. <laughs> you have flash that so you could just you could you could initiate the combo at the op- opponent's end step, but then go like Oh my god, it's so ingenious. I'm like Flash this is this solution, and I'm like, oh my god, Flash is unreal. Like, why don't we make all these other Flash decks? <laughs> I'm just like, oh man, I'm just, I should just be flashing in, uh, you know, Academy rectors. I'm, oh my god, I broke it. I, I broke it over Eddie the Intern's stupid chance encounter deck, and then like five minutes later, I'm like, Ugh. Flash is. Illegal. <laughs> Because why would it Very be? Very banned.
1: Very banned. Because why would it be legal? <laughs> what what kind of like, idiot We're, we're, thinks... <laughs> <laughs> we're uh, looking at I, Oath of I, Druids and Gush and being like, yeah, this is fine. <laughs>
0: unlike you guys, I walked into the format and was like, all right, I'm going to start with Necropotence. And they were like, that's banned. I was like, okay, I guess I better look at the ban list. <laughs> I mean- To be fair, Flash is way less
2: objectionable than some of the cards that are legal. (laughs) But it is, uh, you know, I think it could create some interesting deck designs. Uh, But yeah, I was like, oh my gosh. Let's go Flash! No, no, Flash isn't legal.
0: Yeah.
1: Michael Uh, J., with regards to it being a fixed format and having the conversation here, and then also last time when we were at the meetup, where you're talking about this blue-black Psychonaut deck might have might be the thing that actually breaks it what do you think actually happens theoretically if there is just clearly like here's the busted deck somebody found it it's clearly better than everything else we could be doing and without any additional tools it doesn't seem like it's compatible
2: oh so i am i'm just knocking on wood uh when they banned land tax uh the argument that so i talked to uh with uh rich shea at LobsterCon, and i was just like look should ban land tax, right? You know, Lanny's in the top four. They stream land tax. I'm talking to Lanny's like, ah, uh, yeah, you know, uh, went to time in the round deciding who's going to go to top eight, top eight between me and another land tax deck. Maybe we should ban it, you know, like, which is like, we shouldn't ban land tax and there's not enough data. And I'm like, well, the problem with land tax is, is not that there's not enough data, it's that like the decks that land tax is good in are typically mox diamond decks, so there's not data because. People don't necessarily have like six grand for mox Not because they um not because there's not enough land tax data, right? And so regardless of my reason, you know, Richard's like not enough, not enough data, right? He said, but what there is enough data on is Phyrexian dreadnought. So Phyrexian Dreadnought should probably get banned, right? And uh I really dislike this idea because I had finally just bought a set of Phyrexian Dreadnoughts, right? So- I didn't. I had proxy Phyrexian Dreadnoughts for the longest time. Phil Nguyen issued uh, official New York uh, order the Sigurd Torch. Phyrexian Dreadnought proxies were what I was using to play Phyrexian Dreadnought decks. So I was just like, I guess I'm going to be serious in this format. Well, I'm not doing anything else with my my store credit. I'm going to buy a set of Dreadnoughts. So I think that Phyrexian Dreadnought is unambiguously the most powerful card in pre modern right now. Right. So it would not surprise me. Uh, if if Aaron broke the format, that you would just ban Dreadnought. Like, if you look at it, like it's in, it's in the deck that won Lobstercon in 2022, Flint's deck uh, which was the Angry Hermit deck, with uh, used in half the time. Fraction Dreadnought's power and toughness to feed a Suture Ghoul was its main feature, not even its combo potential with uh with Vision Charm and. Stipe. Right, so it's hyper flexible. It's in that deck. It's in you know, Etai Kurtzman again came in second at LobsterCon with uh with Blue White Dreadnought. Um, uh, at the Eternal Weekend uh event, uh, I I don't know the gentleman's name, but I don't think he's ever played a premodern tournament before. He played Blue White Dreadnought to the final uh, and won it. Uh, the deck is super good because Dreadnought is super good, and um, it, it, it's like it's in this Doomsday deck that I described also. Right, the card is incredibly overpowered it's twelve twelve trample and i think that people don't realize how important the trample is on this it is very meaningful uh in in this context it's 12 -12 trample for one mana and there is no shortage of ways to get around it like it's played in great combo right in and in pandemonium decks for reasons you know just you never have to pay the the penalty for it so to answer your question phil they would just ban dreadnought because dreadnought is probably too good um I think Dreadnought is counterbalanced by two things right now, which is that not everybody plays Dreadnought all the time, only Dave David Kaplan. Uh, and uh, Friend of the show. That, and there are other <laughs> decks that you can, you, can, you can fill your deck. Like if you have uh, you know, six Red Elemental Blasts and nothing but Mog Salvages, which is the approach that I take, you can compete with Dreadnought decks in sideboarding games. But you still lose game one with a red deck an overwhelming percentage of the time, especially when it goes first, right? card is super good. And, you know, I'm just going to be one of the dum-dums who paid retail for them, and uh, <laughs> it's going to get banned. And then, you know, that'll just be, you know, I, I, I well, was in Well, let Phil a, tell you
0: about his mock diamonds that he bought.
2: <laughs> I was in a store. I, I, a friend of mine who's been playing for a long time, but, you know, had a, a long lapse in his, in his career. He plays in pre-releases and stuff now. I'm like, how much do you think that, that card is? He's like, I don't know, five bucks? I'm like, eh, I'm guessing five fifty. The card was Baneslayer Angel. Like, how much do you think I paid for it? Uh, in 2009, after my friend Andre Poimber won the world championships, and the answer is $55 $50. per, yeah,
0: 55, <laughs> five, five, Zach, yeah, oh god, so $50 more dollars than what you thought you were gonna pay, <laughs> <laughs> 55
2: per, not 55 yeah. for the yeah, set. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> wallet slayer angel they used to call him,
2: yeah, so they they would ban Dreadnought, and uh, I mean, I don't know, like you. I think it's dangerous to have a bunch of cascading bans um, because, like, once you ban Dreadnought, like the red deck might become prohibitively good. You know, it's going to change the dynamics of the format quite a bit. I think
0: that and one it thing all, that you... also offers people to start calling for blood every time a deck starts doing well, which is something you don't, especially in this close format, you don't want to have people doing. Uh,
2: I think a thing that might be interesting is that maybe we have a rotating band list. Right, so um, maybe maybe we unban Flash for a while. Maybe we unban demonic consultation for a while. Right, so uh, a thing that people complain about is the card, uh, the color black is is underrepresented relative to the other four colors. Right, like the other four colors each have uh, meaningful footholds, and you know white doesn't. There's not really mono white decks. Like there's the stack stack that Thursday as God just played there's white weenie variations land still, but there's not really a white deck. But there are, um, you know, green decks in the form of elves, red decks of multiple multiple types, and and so on. Obviously, mono-blue, blue-white, black-blue, uh, 12-12 decks, as well as other, other counter-stolen control decks. But there's not really any black decks other than the rock um, that, that people play at a high level of frequency. Maybe we'll make black good for a few weeks, right? So I think maybe a rotating band list might be the solution and that would that would shake things up, and also, um, but you know, you know, you don't get to play Necro all the time. You maybe get to play Necro for three months or something, uh, and then you know we'll go back to it being banned, and we'll we'll unban Land Tax. That that might be that might be a solution because I don't think you could just like ban because we just banned Land Tax, and then you just go ban Dreadnought. Like that is just going to upend. It's just too different now. Right? Like, uh, I, don't, I don't even know what happens. I, I, I'm
1: sure the red deck will be prohibitively good if that happens. But
2: um, I don't know what else that happens.
1: Do you think there's any decks right now, speaking as somebody who is still looking for uh, an archetype to play and is just, you know, brewing as much as I can, I looked up on Scryfall, I typed in the word whenever uh, in, a, in text to look at what cards are legal in Premodern that do it whenever. And there is only one card, and it is Scrap Heap. And so I've been brewing with Scrap Heap michael j uh, this is where i'm at so i i, need I don't some, know what scrap some... does so scrap heap is a three mana artifact that says whenever an artifact or enchantment dies you gain a life Oh god. so it's a it's a soul net for
0: artifacts
1: uh yeah, i don't you know don't it's, soul don't, net. You
0: don't
1: it's not manigated. <laughs> so i'm over here being like okay i'm gonna you know essentially sit behind an instaring a, a bridge with my Thran turbine and my soothsaying, and essentially, you know, demonic tutor every turn after I get all these pieces online and you can't touch me. And then I'll just win by, you know, putting all these cursed scrolls into play. And here we are. Can this we, is, can we, trigger...
2: can we, can we, I'm trying there's no, no sword of the meek, right? Like, no, yeah, can't... no, nothing like
0: this.
1: Oh, I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, you have I'm to turn squee into an
0: artifact and gain one life every turn.
1: Dude, I, I'm I'm like Frexian Furnace, Urza's Bobble, like all like Chromatic Sphere. We're doing it yeah, all, you need and to, then we're you just need to get paid it.
2: back. That's the problem. You're not even getting paid back one card a turn. Like you this need is, to get paid back is, uh, a lot. Said, <laughs> right. Right. Like, you you like, see you know, my issues. I have this much garbage in my deck. Like the more garbage you have in your deck the harder you have to get paid back. Like, that's, that's the thing. Like, if you're going to mm-hmm. play, like, a two-card combo deck, I'm like, all right, um, these cards aren't really good unless you have, you know, other cards in concert with them or whatever. But it's a small part of your deck. You're talking about, like, oh, listen to all the different artifacts I can have that don't block Jackalock. They're, <laughs> they're all going to be in there, right? Like, yeah. you yeah, need I, to I, get I, the, paid
1: back.
0: Capital the, the B, Capital just B, just back. like your name. I think I think I think your your the the fact that they don't block uh, jackal pup is actually good because then they go to the graveyard. <laughs> well, like I'll play ornithopter and then the jackal pup attacks. You block it and then you gain a life.
2: <laughs> yeah, but you're gonna quickly run out of ornithopters.
1: At <laughs> yeah, <that. laughs>
2: unfortunately, mm-hmm.
0: well, by that mm-hmm. time you'll have like what 27 life.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: sounds great. <laughs> 27 life and no cards. Let's Well, <laughs> maybe you By then you put a shield sphere out and and then you can, you know, you can oh. infinitely block the uh, Jackal pump. What what if
2: okay. you had a is there it's a, 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 uh, what's the name of it? Uh the white white enchantment uh Enduring Renewal? Can we endure? Yeah, renewal Enduring Renewal, yeah. That's a card that
0: like has not been explored enough. Why don't we just kill the
2: opponent instead of gaining one life at a time? <laughs> like, I feel yeah. like yeah. I, that's is game. Is yeah. Is this card ba- <laughs> I hope it's not banned? Did I say something stupid? No, and Dirk not, not banned.
0: I have a playset of them that I picked up uh because I was like this okay. might be something. <laughs> like the old the old thing was like Onulet and uh and like Ashinod's altar and like gain infinite life. Can I do like Altar of Dementia?
1: Yeah. Altar of Dementia that's would work. Be. Yeah. Yeah, that's gotta be the thing, right? Is, um, is there, uh in, in the format right now, is there anywhere that LED is actually good? Doomsday?
2: Uh, I don't know. The Doomsday deck that Flintmake doesn't have any yeah. Lion's Eye Diamond. It just has. The, like,
0: hard, just Doomsday deck. Uh, Used to have them. I haven't played Doomsday in a long time, but that was the one that, like, won by recycling Funeral Charm over and over and over again. Yeah, Tom uh, Petelski was Charm, playing right? that recently. Ebony Charm, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: What was Tom doing? Oh, he was playing. The, he was playing a Doomsday deck that had. I I needed him to explain it to me. I there's just a bunch of cards that I'm like. <laughs> I, I, I definitely know what saw that deck do, and was like, how's this win? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, well, you make these piles, and then I'm like, ah,
0: I don't know. It seems like a lot of reading. <laughs> well, where so where can people and and they most people are already going to know, but where can people find find you on on the internet right now? So I have a
2: YouTube. I have a YouTube channel that I haven't updated in six months. Uh, it's slash Five with Florist. Links uh, below. <laughs> so I have a YouTube channel. I have a website that I haven't updated in even longer. It's a with Uh But I write uh, weekly magic articles on Cool Stuff Inc. Uh, and about once a month, I'll write something on pre modern. Usually, I'll write about contemporary formats or new sets. Um, so I'm on Cool Stuff Inc. And then if you want to follow me on like uh, X, uh, I guess Twitter or whatever, I'm five with floors on, on that. Uh, and then I have a podcast with Lanny Huang called The Spy Colony. Uh, I, have a, uh, I have a Facebook page that I invited Phil to, but I don't think he took me up on it, called Premodern for Non-Idiots. Oh, I'm did. in there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So it's called Premodern for Non-Idiots. Although this week we just, I, I, I'm very torn on this, right? So when I made Premodern for Non-Idiots, I didn't realize that some people wouldn't take it, right? Right. So I thought like, you know, like I'm not calling you an idiot. I'm saying if you're a non idiot, you can join. Like <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and it, like in the welcome message or whatever, just like thanks for finding us. If you're you know you're welcome to join, just don't be an idiot or I'll kick you. And it's like that's that's <laughs> yeah, what it says. Yeah, it's like um so uh, you know, some of my friends are just like, We just having a bad day, like and they all thought that the 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 Facebook page is going to die because like Facebook pages get created and just die. But it is a thriving pre-modern Facebook page. Dozens of people are joining every week and there's great discussion. It's called pre-modern for not idiots, but I've been torn because I was just like, well, when I made this, I didn't realize some people would take it badly. And the thing that bothers me is like, I'm very like, the things that I hate in magic are like, I don't like when people diminish other people's accomplishments. I really hate gatekeeping, that kind of stuff. And I'm guilty of gatekeeping as a result of this, not intentionally, but because people are like, "Oh, well, I'm not smart enough to be in this group," and I'm like, "No, no, you're super welcome. Just don't be an idiot." And like, look, this is the, this is the list of things that that I would consider idiot, right? And uh, you know, you're having a different idea than me isn't idiotic. That's the kind of that's the kind of conversation we want to have in a group, right? So, so I was talking to my uh, podcast co-host Lanny, and I was just like, "Well, should we change the name?" And he's just like, I know a bunch of people who are just definitely not idiots who are afraid to join because <laughs> they're like they're afraid they're going to be exposed as idiots. So I was just like, see, that's not the vibe that I'm going for. So I put a poll up, but a lot of the longer standing people who've been in the group are like vehement that um, that it should stay pre-modern for not idiots. He's just like, gatekeeping is good if it focuses the content, right? And uh, and I'm like, oh, I never thought about that before. And somebody else said, somebody else said, I actually ask myself before i make a post in this group if the thing that i'm saying is idiotic and if it is i don't hit return and i'm like wow that's actually the internet needs more of that yeah so i'm very torn because i want to change i i'm the one who made it pre-modern for non idiots and i want to change it because i don't want to be non-inclusive right but my non-idiots are like no we we like the not idiotic conversation going on and so I'm I'm I don't know. I'm I'm really happy with this group. So if you are interested in pre-modern, you are very welcome to join. Uh there's like a gating question now. Uh not because I don't want to be inclusive, but because it's getting a lot of bots. So the gating question is just like what's your favorite pre-modern deck? You just put like, you know, elves or doomsday or whatever you like. Um and I'll let you in, right? Uh but like a lot of the bots or whatever don't know what a pre modern deck is, so they don't answer the question. And I don't One want One day them they'll in. know
1: yeah so well right we don't I answered, know yet uh, i i think i answered didgerie doomsday and that's when i recognized that maybe i was i was uh not Perhaps the best be. candidate <laughs>
2: yeah. so no i i really like so um so people are like oh is it just pre-modern for spikes and i'm like no one of the things that i have experienced the most joy in recently is making this meme red deck which is like new printing new border red elemental blast new printing new border pyroblast like hunting down these brian hacker gold bordered curse scrolls that i'm gonna have brian re-sign over like like the these ridiculous mog fanatics that look like santa's stealing on uh uh you know from from christmas or something like I, that isn't spiky right that's just me experiencing joy by uh you know it's the same as you feel like you're just blinging out your your cards with uh with a little altering paint, right? And I, I wanna share that. And I love putting I love putting um deck picks of people like putting deck picks. And the thing that is really funny is like, well, at the risk of being an idiot, here's my question. And I kind of love that, right? So uh it's not just for spikes. Like people have ideas and they want to exchange them, people experience joy. Uh people are using it for their meetups in other cities, which is fantastic to me. Right. So recently in I think Madison, Wisconsin, uh some guys posted they had a meetup in a cigar shop. And like, you know, I'm not a smoker or anything, but I think it's effing cool that they <laughs> meet up in a cigar yeah. shop, right? So, uh, you know, you're welcome to join Promotron Front. Just don't be an idiot. And I've never kicked anyone out. Uh, although I thought about it once. I was like, so here's the thing. I like trash talk. Super pro trash talk. I hate shit talk, right? Like, I don't like people just putting people down. I don't like... I really hate people diminishing other people's accomplishments. And I feel like that's like the worst thing to me in magic um you know people work really hard it's not up to somebody how many rounds the tournament is. it's just like oh well your tournament wasn't long enough for me to acknowledge that you won it and like, well it wasn't up to me you know how many uh how many rounds the tournament was all i did was play my best why do you have to take that away from me and the answer is that person doesn't have to take it away from you they're just being an asshole right so uh i don't like that i don't like people say stuff all the time that's just like not in pre modern for non idiots, but like in, in other contexts, we're like, oh, well, they only won three rounds, or like, oh, can we really take this seriously? They play in such and such a region or something, just like you know, screw off. Uh, so I don't, I w- wouldn't tolerate that, but you know, for the most part, your stupid idea is probably not that much stupider than my stupid
1: idea.
0: I, Neither mean, of I our think that's, a, are that's a perfect way to end the podcast right there. <laughs> um. Michael, uh thank you thank you for coming on and again uh thank you for uh for uh the contribution f- to the MC Chicago panel. Uh again, if you uh if you're gonna be in Chicago, definitely uh check that Saturday at like five thirty. Check that out. I'm sure we'll also like record it so so people can Zach don't watch
2: sign it. off yet.
0: Oh. What's up? Boomer Book Club. Boomer Book Club. Oh, let's talk about it. You have Deep so Magic. So, Boomer Book Club 1, you were invited. Uh, our next episode I think is like chapter 5 or 6. So, you know, I want uh, say,
2: I want to say that Baxter claims that he once thought that Rawl's disc was the most powerful artifact until he was introduced to James Day Oh, and yeah. And then in the next chapter, he talks about a red-white book-burning deck. So... It's, it's the book. It's Jame's Day Tome, and he uses it to get burn, uh, including such cards as Disintegrate. Yeah, I, in an oh, era, yeah. In an era when Necropotence and Green White Armageddon were two of the most powerful decks, along with Land Tax being legal and standard, <laughs> I have a hard time <laughs> believing that Baxter really thought <laughs> that Jame's Day Tome was the most powerful artifact more powerful than Neural's disc, which was a 4 staple in the yeah. format to Finding Necropon's deck. Is that in the book
0: in front of you? Uh, well, it's, I'm sure it's in here. I think my favorite one from this was there was a deck. It was like a, a green and black deck that like the whole idea was to like gain life off of Dark Heart of the Wood. Uh, and I don't remember what the payoff was, but the payoff was, was bonkers ridiculous. No, it's, it's just a better Xuronorm. Right, so Zeronor is only two life. Darkheart of the Wood
2: is three life. What are you, an idiot? Yeah, I, like... I, I must, clown, I must be an idiot. Yeah, you a clown?
0: Come on. The other good one, the other deck that I really love, that I Zach. actually I spent money as like a fifteen year old making this deck was <laughs> the um, Psychic. Uh, the uh, what was it? Psionic uh, Psionic Fiend. Like it was a two two for like four mana that tapped to do two damage to a target, but dealt three damage to itself or 3 damage to yeah it was 3 damage to itself so you put a holy strength on it so that it survived and then it also played spirit link so you could gain like 5 life off of that and then uh it would also it also played uh Orcus artillery so it was like a three color deck that like completely was just trying to like turn your entire deck into prodigal sorcerers
2: oh i mean that one of my fr- a combo player <laughs> one of my first serious decks was circle of protection red Orcish Artillery, Orcish oh, yeah. Cannoneers, oh, yeah. right? Then I'm like, oh, wow, this makes so much sense because I have Circle of Protection Red.
0: When, Protection when did you figure White. out that you could just do that with, with uh, what's it called a uh, Force of Nature with Circle of Protection Green? I don't know.
2: Then I, I'm like, <laughs> this sex already makes
0: so much sense because of Circle of Protection Red.
2: Then I added Circle of Protection White, Acacia Money
0: Lender. Ah, so, I, I know all about you and the Occasian Money Lender. I, I, I listened to that book. Yeah. <laughs> No one could beat this deck. You wrote a deck. whole article about the occasion moneylender. No, no one could beat this deck unless they weren't playing red or white. Yeah. Uh, in which case, my deck was very bad. You're like, I will pay one white mana and bolt myself. <laughs> Don't worry, it'll pay off later. All right, I'll let you know. This All is right. super well, fun. Again, thanks, thanks for having you. me. Thank you for, uh, thank you for being on the cast. we got to have you on again, again soon. This was a blast. Phil, um, am I going to see you on Thursday? Meet up at Bifrost You sure here. are. All right. See you again. All right. I'll be there. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. For the gift that keeps on giving all year round, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash eternaldirtles. And, hey, check out this playlist we got up here with all of our interviews over the last couple of years. Some great people from the Legacy community. Some really great guests.